Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Off The Beaten Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. Today's episode is Ricky Wilson from the Kaiser Chiefs. It's Ricky Wilson from the new podcast, Pop Detectives as well, and we talk about all of it. We talk about growing up, we talk about school, we talk about clubbing, we talk about the rise to humongous fame for the Kaiser Chiefs, and, and we talk about the podcast that, that Ricky's doing with Tony Blackburn, which is incredible, uh, and so much other stuff. You're going to absolutely love this episode. Ricky's super fun, and, uh, and, and we had a real crack doing this. Um, before we get on with the episode, huge thanks to Scroobius Pip and everybody at the Distraction Pieces Network. Um, big thanks to 76, uh, my producer. And, and if this is your first time listening to Off The Beaten Track podcast then um, go and have a look in the archives because you'll have access to over, like, I think it's nearly 150 episodes now with some of your favourite musicians, actors, comedians, DJs. And, uh, and go and get stuck in because there's, there's, there's loads of stuff over there that uh, I'm sure you're going to enjoy. Um, but I guess the main thing now is to say, please enjoy Off The Beaten Track podcast with Ricky Wilson. I've got an announcement. Save Our Souls Clothing www.sosclothing.co.uk Why am I telling you this? Because they're our official sponsor. Yeah, that's right. Go and check them out because their clothing is off the scale. You're going to love it. So they've decided they want to be our sponsor, which is amazing. And what I have to do is I have to tell you about why they're amazing. So here's a little bit of blurb. So they've only been going a year. And they're based in South End on Sea, just up the road from me. They put the company together based on a, a love of tattoos and alternative music. And they've worked with some of the greatest artists around the world to produce these items of clothing that are as unique as you lot. All of the designs are printed using biodegradable, sustainable and water-based inks. In addition to that, they only print on garments made by members of Fairwear Foundation. I mean, come on, great clothing and a conscience. Since going live in April last year, they've seen their audience grow massively and are now selling orders all across the world. And they were recognised by Cosmopolitan magazine as one of the best sustainable clothing brands alongside names such as Stella McCartney. I mean, that's quite a first year, right? So, go and check them out because they've put a lot of love into supporting this podcast and I couldn't be happier. What else they've done is they've given you 15% off. So if you head over to www.sosclothing.co.uk, do a bit of shopping, see what you like, 
throw it in the basket, and then on the way out, put in the discount code BEAT15. B-E-A-T-1-5. And that'll save you 15% off. Amazing, right? www.sosclothing.co.uk Official sponsors of Off The Beaten Track Podcast. Let's get back to that podcast. It's Off The Beaten Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whipping. Hello and welcome to Off The Beaten Track Podcast. And sitting opposite me today via the means of Zoom is Ricky Wilson. Hello. I'm here. I'm here opposite you by Zoom. It's good, isn't it, Zoom? It's, uh, it's something I wish I would have maybe bought some shares in about four months ago. Yeah, um, I've just thought something this morning, that uh, a business idea. Uh, pocket squares for gentlemen, but with uh, little loops on the end so you can put them over your mouth like a mask. But no one's making them yet. Like, if you were a tailor's, mm. a gentleman, like geeves and hawks or something. Yeah. Just start making them so you can stuff them in your pocket and they look nice. Yeah. And then you pull them out and it's a little face mask. There you go. Are you have you bought any like fancy ones nah. on the internet? No, nah, I actually I like I like the proper PPE looking ones. What, like the kind of surgical ones? Yeah, I I like them better. Yeah. But but because Grace, my fiance, has uh, she's bought some fancy ones off friends and that that are good at sewing. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, try hard that. A bit too try hard for me. I like the PPA ones. Yeah, keep it simple. Functional. Yeah. Unless Functional. unless it can double up as a, a pocket square. Pocket, yeah, well, that's the thing I was thinking. I'd like yeah. it to do something else apart from being a mouth yeah. guard. I mean... Mouth guard. It's out there now, Ricky, so, you know, you might want to copyright that for... Uh, no, no, I'm fine with that. All oh, right. No, I like, get, I like getting my inventions out there because, you know, when you think of something, yeah. you're never going to do it. Yeah. So it's good to just get it out there, and then you can just say when you're in the pub years later, yeah, check that podcast out. I use these podcasts as an excuse to get all my me, me ideas out there <laughs> so people know that it was me that came up with it. I mean, I've not heard them, uh, I've not really heard any ideas uh, regarding any of this sort of stuff on your podcast. I mean, we should talk about that. Oh, yeah, I've got a podcast. Mm. You have to. It's, 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 it's the law. Yeah. You have, if you're a celebrity and people know your name, you have to have a podcast. Is it the so new I've sort of fitness that. video? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. It's like literally like it's the Benny McCall all over. It's, it's you've got to get a podcast right. or you don't exist. If a tree falls in the wood and there's no one there to hear it, does it make a sound? If a celebrity doesn't have a podcast, are they even a celebrity? <laughs> it's the same thing. Absolutely. Well, um, I like your podcast, Ricky, because it's, uh, it's, it's getting a little bit nerdy about music and that's my favourite thing. Mm. Uh, music, nerdy, and conspiracy theories all rolled into one. Mm. I talked to Tony Blackburn for about four hours a week, and we cut it down to 40 minutes because we have to, because it's just nonsense what we talk about. And we just dispel or debunk pop myths. Yeah. Sometimes we, we, oh, we did one yesterday. It was fantastic. All about Bowie and Kanye West. And uh, it's really good because we spoke to... Uh, like Kanye's biggest fan. It was a podcast and a, 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 tw- a Twitter account about Kanye. And I'm there trying to be respectful because he's Kanye's biggest fan. And Tony's going like stuff like, so do you, uh, you know when Kanye says something daft, does it make you cringe? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that's, the, that's the question everyone wants to yeah, ask a Kanye fan. Because I'm a Kanye fan. I like his music and that. But you know when he says something, you go, oh, God. Oh, 
oh god Kanye but like Ozzy's biggest fan who has a podcast and a Twitter account devoted to Kanye when something somebody when he comes out with something that's mental yeah do they go go on mate or do they go oh you're making it difficult for me <laughs> Oh, I, it says my internet. It says my internet connection's unstable, but it's better here than it is at home. It, it sounds fine, mate. Oh, good. Um, okay. Well, you've sent over your track list ahead of uh, of this, and uh, yeah. we, I think we're going to have a good chat, mate. There's some ace tunes on there. Are there? Mm. I was, it's weird when you get asked to do anything to do with picking songs, mm-hmm. because as you know, it does change on a daily basis. Yeah. But I liked your questions. They were quite specific. Thank you. And uh, and and I, the the, the thing is, you want to go, you, you want to look cool, you know, but also you just instantly they popped into my head the answers. And sometimes they were a little bit like, do I want to say that? But I was like, yeah, instantly knew yeah. every single one. You you you, you have it. to go with that. And I think like my second ever guest on this a couple of years ago was um, Russell Lissack from from Block Party. <laughs> And uh, and when asked first record, I just thought, right, nobody was listening to John Peel when they were like eight. I'm I'm not having it. And he just went straight in with, yeah, stilt skin. And I just thought, right, okay, that's good. That's good. That's that's the level of honesty I want. It, it does bother me when you read people's like first gig and they go black flag and you're like, no, it wasn't. (laughs) It wasn't. My first gig was Paul Simon and. That's, you know, yeah, which was good. Yeah. Graceland. I mean, for about, I reckon for about the first sort of three years of knowing who Paul Simon was, I was convinced he was Chevy Chase. <laughs> yeah. Well, he was the better looking one. Yeah. Taller, better looking, more fun looking. No, no one looks more fun than Chevy Chase. He's the most uh, fun yeah. looking face ever. Yeah. My favourite photograph of all time, and I, I, I've endeavoured to buy an original print I know the original print sounds like an oxymoron, but there's a picture of Chevy Chase looking bored while a food fight's going on around him. And you can Google it. Just Google Chevy Chase food fight, and it's the greatest picture of all time. Brilliant. I'd like that above my, above my bed, but Grace might have it. <laughs> right, Ricky, song with the greatest ever yeah. intro. Uh, yeah. Uh, best ever intro is uh, Born to Run uh, by Bruce Springsteen. Amazing. Yeah. Starts with the drum roll. Well, you know, <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. You know what you're getting. You're getting a slice of Americana with a cherry on top. Uh, and I love it to bits. I never used to like Springsteen, but, you know, you get to 40 and you start loving it. <laughs> it's really it's, weird because it's like, see, I'm, I'm 47 and like. Right. Oh, I don't look it. Oh, thank you, Ricky. Um, no, no, so I was actually thinking you look younger than me. All right. But, I thought you were yeah. <laughs> older than that. Um, no. But. Well, like obviously, I grew up when like that album, like the the, the Born in the USA album, was like the biggest thing yeah. ever. And mm. and I remember liking like Dancing in the Dark and Born in the USA, and I just remember thinking yeah. they're really good. And then obviously, when you hear Born to Run, it's just it's a fucking incredible record. Yeah. But then, as a muso and a fan of of, of guitar music and stuff, it's like right, yeah, you've got to get into Springsteen. Um, yeah, anything that like I was the same with Pink Floyd as well. Yeah, and I was like, oh, you gotta love them, and I I put it off for years, yeah. and then now I'm into it. Yeah, anyone anyone tells me what to like, and I don't like yeah. it. Springsteen, exactly that. Yeah, you're supposed to like it, so you don't for years. I, I take I it you're it. familiar with the the video of uh, Born to Run. 
it's just Fill me in. a huge mashup of like these ridiculous stadium tours that, that oh yeah 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 oh it's so good he's just got yeah. like the kind of the check shirt with a sleeves calf he looks cool as fuck uh, as yeah, well yeah yeah muscles on muscles yeah amazing yeah the thing is about um like born to run is i i, I read a thing a few years ago a couple of years ago about what makes a great song and i thought it was nonsense right, right? And it was people of like, and this is weird because most of my favorite singers are women. People are drawn to a man sounding like he's really trying. <laughs> That's what people like. It was a scientific thing by some American university. A male voice really stretching his ability. And I think Born to Run's got that because at points you just go, he's, he's singing this like it's the last song he's ever going to sing. Yeah. And it's fantastic. Okay. No, sorry. You're looking at me like you disagree with me. No, not at all. Because like, it wasn't me. It was, a, it was an American university this study. And so I guess what does that apply itself to, like, Cobain and yeah, know, yeah. all of these people that are just... No, I think it's more like Bon Jovi. Right. Or Steven Tyler. See, that's... Going, that's really <laughs> going for it. Like, oh, my God, I'm going to burst. Like, I'm literally going to get red dots on my cheeks. Yeah. Blood vessels. Yes. I think Bon Jovi, right? I, I think Bon Jovi. That's not his name, is it? John Bon Jovi. I think he would. All he wants to be, I think, is being. I think he just wants to be taken as serious as Springsteen. Yeah. But yeah, it's not going to. And it's just not going to happen. It don't matter how many Stetsons. Your, it ain't yeah. going to happen. No, no. I, I, but I do. I do admire the fact that a lot of musicians build their whole life on the fact that it's just about trying to be something they're not, yeah. right? Uh, and they don't realise that what they're actually doing, people love, yeah. right? And as it, you just wish they'd be happy with that. And I think that, like, John Bon Jovi is amazing. He was very generous about his words for the Kaiser Chiefs yeah. once. He said we were going to save rock and roll, which is did you, did, did you support them at Hyde Park? We did, yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah, we did, yeah. Then I never met, I never met him. But um, yeah, I know what you mean. It's like it's it's a weird thing because in many ways, success isn't enough with a lot of people. Yeah. They want to be taken seriously. Have you read Springsteen's autobiography? No. Oh, it's a masterpiece. I love it. It got me more into him, and then made me buy his new record, which uh, I annoy Grace with all the time because I play it a lot. It's like a musical about a stuntman, and it's fantastic. Western Stars. I don't, he doesn't need the advertisement, the advertisement. How do you say it? Rockstar, stuntman, all I ever wanted to be as a kid. Yeah. Two coolest jobs, well, right? Well, I actually wanted to be a stuntman or uh, I wanted to, which sounds like a boring job. You know, like when animation was done by drawing lots of pictures in a row? What, like, like little flicker 20, books? Yeah, yeah. I wanted to be an, anima- anima- an animator. Right. Or a stuntman. But... I'm a rock star. I had to fall back on my <laughs> third choice. <laughs> That'd do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Stuntman, though. Do you remember, what was that show about Stuntman? TJ Hooker? Was that it? TJ Hooker was TJ... the copper, wasn't he? That was um, William Shatner. No, no, what was the oh, one Oh, The Fall the Guy. The Fall Guy. Yeah. The fall... No, of course, The Fall Guy. Yeah. Fall Guy was a great show. Yeah. I, uh, the, the... <laughs> I'm the old man stuntman. I'm the old man stuntman. It's <laughs> 
if one looks so fat. That was it. Right. right. Uh, years and years cool. ago, the singer in, in my old band was called Lee mm-hmm. and his brother was called yeah. Steve. Both Lee Majors, Steve Austin, mum was obsessed with him. Really? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, me and Grace have been talking recently about kids' names, right? Right. One day we'll, we'll go have a kid. But you talk about kids' names. Mm-hmm. One day. We'll, we'll try. Okay. And uh, she she went there, do you like the name Goldie? And I said, I love the name Goldie. I think that's a beautiful name for a little girl. And then secretly in my head, I was thinking, Goldie Wilson, that's the mayor from Back to the Future. Perfect. I haven't told her that yet, but yeah, it's good to name kids, but secretly have a little side agenda. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Track two. First thing I remember hearing had an emotional impact on you. Yeah, I, it's weird because usually when I do this kind of thing, I, I forget what I've said, but I know this instantly. It's You Can't Hurry Love by The Supremes, also by uh, Phil Collins. Yep. Uh, but I can remember in a weird, you know, like sometimes music, it's like, you know, like smell is like the most evocative sense, but music has the same thing because I can almost taste and I, it's like a weird memory, but I can't remember entirely. I think there's a swimming pool. I think there's like a uh, dry stone wall. But whenever I hear that song, I can I got I get a feeling of being in a situation that I can't fully remember, but being too young to remember anything else. But that song makes me think of that, and it's it, there's there's images in my head of a pool, a lady in a uh, like a, a, a lacy dress. It's a dry stone wall, and I can really picture it, but not quite be able to grab hold of it. So whenever I heard that song, You Can't Hurry Love by the Supremes, I get that taste in my mouth of that. It's, it's, it's saying a taste in the mouth of, of an image sounds ridiculous, but that's what I get. I get that, totally. Yeah. So yeah. what what would you sort of say that the emotion was? Oh, just, uh, it's joy um, and just feeling very safe. Uh, it's weird thinking about music giving you these like untouchable emotions. Sometimes when I hear stuff like B sides that we recorded in like 2004, I get drawn back to a period of intense hope of like something's going to happen. Yeah, and I love that feeling. And this gives me a similar kind of anything can happen feeling of just joy. And I think, I think, I imagine, I can't, I imagine that I was on holiday before I can remember going on holiday and someone singing this in like, you know, like a foreign pub late night singer yeah. singing that song and me just feeling very happy. That's great. So that's what I think it probably comes from. But yeah, I, it, every time I feel it, I get drawn back. That build me up, build a cup to an extent, mm-hmm. but you can't really love mainly. Great song. So, in those kind of early times, uh, was there, like, growing up, was you exposed to lots of music? Was there music on at home? Yeah, but mainly country music, which is weird, growing up in uh, West Yorkshire. But I, my mum and dad listened to a lot of country music in the car. And I can remember loving the stories before loving the songs. Like, you know, like Boy Named Sue. And that one about uh, Billy Joe McAllister jumped off the Tallahatchie Bridge, and just getting into it like it was a short, like like a short story. 
and they all did that for me. And I, you know, even stuff like I beg your pardon, never promise you a road garden or uh never never said this before, but you know that song Ruby, don't take your love yeah. to town. That was possibly the inspiration for a Kaiser Chief song. Oh really? With a similar with a similar name. Do, do you do you think that, that kind of early imprint on you of of, of them them like because country songs are so sort of storybook aren't they they're so yeah. easy to read and 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 are just laid out there as, as something that you can picture do you think that had yeah, a, yeah. an influence on 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 you definitely yeah I, I mean definitely because even like when you know you get you like your love of music comes in waves and i had my initial wave in like the late 80s and then the second wave was perfectly timed with Britpop. And I was a big fan of, like, so I was probably about 15 or 16. Uh, pulp, right? They did it. And they, they painted a picture, and it's fantastic. Blur to a lesser extent, because it was a little bit more like they were doing Pulp, but a bit more Dayglow. Yeah. Um, and I liked, I loved the fact that Pulp did country music, but for Britpop. Yeah. Definitely. Basically, and and set in a really dreary northern town, perfectly, which made made it really accessible to me. And also, Britpop was amazing because it made it so that you can be skinny and ugly, and people think you're fit. Because yep. suddenly you're the you're the the cool kids. Yeah, the nerds are the cool kids, and it was an amazing time. I've said it on this on this podcast plenty of times, present company excluded. I think Jarvis Cocker was the last great British pop star. Yeah, because he didn't really want to be exactly, uh, and and he realised very quickly that the byproduct of celebrity wasn't what it was all about. Because I think that, like everyone does, you crave it, you want it, and you get it, and you go, "This is not what I signed up for." Recently, I heard he referred to fame as being like pornography because it makes something that's uh, beautiful and uh, something you really want into something ugly and. Uh, just a bit gloomy. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, great party. Fantastic. Last last great British pop star. I mean, you're, you're missing out Jess Glynn. <laughs> I like Jess Glynn. I think she's good because she's nonsense. I like that. I think she's fantastic. And also, she pulls out loads of festivals. And I really kind of, like, admire that in an odd way. Oh, does she? Yeah, yeah. What, yeah. like, sort of diva style? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like it. And no, no, there's not enough. Soon people playing by the rules and towing the line. And you don't, and it's because it's a it's a business now. It's like you know, in two thousand, everyone wants to be a graphic designer because it looked easy, and then now in two thousand twenty, everyone wants to be a pop star because it looks easy, yeah. and it's it is relatively easy because you can be one without anyone listening to your music. You could say you are, you know, say, say if you say you're an artist, you're an artist. You know, it's the only job in the world where you just have to, you know, if you're convincing enough, you can be what you say you are. You can't say, I'm an accountant, and everyone goes, all right, yeah, count me something. But if you say, I'm, a, I'm an artist, you can just, you are. There's not a qualification, is there? No, no, no. There probably is somewhere. Okay. Uh, some metropolitan somewhere. For track three, Ricky, I want to ask you the song that reminds you of your time at school. Uh, Friday, I'm in love by The Cure. Um, loved, loved this song. And it's, it's like a gateway drug into The Cure, really, isn't it? You, you have a little bit of this and you go, oh, it's a great band. And then you go deeper in and you go, wow, it's a really great band. And 
I wish they'd make more pop songs. <laughs> and then you go, but they kind of do. Yeah. Without without kind of ramming it down your throat. Yeah. But Brand Name of Love, it was, you know, it's, it was played on the radio and everyone loved it. And uh, I like that. I like it when artists do something to just, like almost flex their muscles yeah. and say, you want it? All right. We can do that. Yeah. But we can also take you down a rabbit hole. Definitely. I mean, I think that yeah. album was probably one of their, I say poppiest, but but then if you listen to things like Just Like Evan and In Between Days, they're, they're all yeah. just straight up pop songs, really, aren't they? Yeah. But uh, Did I choose Friday and Love? No. Or did that just pop out? I think I chose All Right by Supergast, did. didn't I? You did. Yeah. Because that really reminds me of school. But then I just, when you asked me that question then, I said Friday and Love. You can have, some, you can have honorable there. mentions, mate. That's fine. All right, well, All Right by Supergrass was, was a big one. Sorry, you went, you, you were going down a, a thing there about the cure, but I just remembered that I did say in my email, All Right by Supergrass, because yeah. it was just perfect, wasn't it? Have you listened to that recently? All Right? Mm. No. See, I've been an indie DJ for about 30 years, so I reckon I had about 10 years of just hammering that to the point where I never wanted to hear it again. Yeah. Um, and I played it probably about a month or so ago, and it sounded so good. You just forget that right. it's such a gem of a pop song. Yeah. Recorded at Sawmills uh, in Cornwall, which is for sale now. And I was looking at it on the, the website, uh, and it looks like the most beautiful property in the world. And if I had a spare $1.25 million, yeah, which I don't, I would snap it up in a heartbeat. I I can't believe they're selling it. Muse recorded the debut album there. Oasis recorded definitely maybe there. Uh, all right, was Supergrass was recorded there. Was that where Bohemian Rhapsody was recorded? Uh, Bohemian Rhapsody was recorded everywhere. If you go into any studio, they will tell you that that's the piano. Oh, no, was, no. Yeah, no, but you know, like it's one of those things. If I go in any studio, they'll always tell me that Queen did something in there, yeah. and I'm like, well, they didn't have the time. Come on, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, it's weird. No, there's one in Wales, isn't it? What's a really famous studio in Wales uh, where Oasis? Rock, rock, rock. That one, rock, rock field. Yeah, because like I did see yeah. that there's a new film that they've made that comes out on BBC tomorrow about that studio and everything really? that's gone on. Yeah, I did actually see that that was advertised. Yeah. Yesterday. Do you like studios? Um, because I, I've got I mean, I haven't got a spare one point two five million. No, mate. no, no. <laughs> it's weird because like loads of people in bands love them. But I always feel quite gloomy in studios because it's, it's, I mean, it's ridiculous because being in a band on paper is easy because every two years you have to make 45 minutes of noise, which sounds like an ideal yeah. job. But it, I just find it too hard. And even Grace says, like, she's worried about me making another record. She goes, when you're making a record, you're a nightmare. What, it makes you miserable? Yeah, it makes me really miserable because I've just... I can't get my head into anything else apart from that, and I do get quite gloomy, so, which is weird. So, what you 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 find yourself in a place where you literally lock out everything else, and that yeah, is, yeah, yeah, right, yeah, and then you have to do interviews and say, "Oh, what are you listening to when you're making the record?" I'm saying, "I was listening to the in record," yeah, and it becomes all encompassing. Then you can't listen to it for years afterwards because it kind of like you know you throw everything at it, don't you? Yeah, and it's so because it is like. Um, like a, a jus or a puree because it's so boiled down into yeah. its very essence that even like one word in the third verse of a song can be wrong and it just haunts you. Yeah. You want it to be perfect and you're writing something that's so kind of like 
concentrated. You can't deviate from it. I find it so horrible. <laughs> well, uh, sorry, that thing's really down about it. No, not at all. It's, everything in life, it's hard. If it's hard to do, it's so rewarding to finish it completely. Yeah. Um, so in regards to school, was it something you enjoyed? Oh no, uh, it was too hard, and I tried too hard. Looking back now, it seems absolutely pointless going to school. Uh, it, I thought it was the be-all and end-all. Uh, I worked too hard. I concentrate too much, and at the end of it, things that were so important, like GCSE results, mean absolutely nothing. So don't stay in school, kids. <laughs> it sounds like I'm being down on it, but it was just, it felt so important, but now it seems so irrelevant. Ricky, um, I'm currently having this conversation. My, my daughter goes back to have her exams next year, and it's all gone yeah. tits up with this situation we're in at the moment. Yeah. And it's really stressing her out, and I'm like, her mum's an accountant, and and it's mm. obviously like she's trying to explain that like it's really good, you know, just apply to blah blah. Whereas I've always just piss balled around in kind of more creative industries, and I'm just more of that mindset. Fuck it, don't worry about it. It's just a bit of paper. Yeah. Like just do what yeah. you want to do. Uh, it's it's so weird, and also being told off, and you go in, you you suddenly realise that the kids at school that were absolute geniuses were the ones that weren't scared. Yeah. Couldn't give a, couldn't give a shit. Yeah. They were like, I don't care because what's worse can happen? Detention. Yeah. That's nothing. No, it's not even a punishment. It's like stay behind for an hour. That's like two and a half episodes of Neighbours. Nothing. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's nothing. Uh, so it's 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 really odd. Uh, so no, I didn't really enjoy school because uh, I worked too hard. But everything makes you who you are, so you can't complain, can you? Hello. I've interrupted the podcast again, haven't I? Sorry, it won't take a sec. All I want to say is, the songs that we're talking about in this podcast, if we can't play them, it's just because of the regulations regarding playing licensed music and such. So if you want to hear the songs, just go over to Spotify and search Off The Beat and Track Podcast and you can listen to all the songs because I've put playlists up for each of these. If you can't find it on there, I'll send links on all the social media accompanying each episode. So you've just got to press that one button and you can go through. And you- Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. 
If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. You can enjoy all the songs that our guest picks. Anyway, I'll shut up, get back to the podcast. See you on the other side. But in regards to school, like, was you already sort of interested in music and was that something you was considering? No, no, no you know, you know, I think in the, like, 40s, people wanted to be train drivers and I think in the 80s, people wanted to be pop stars, so I, that's what I wanted to be. Um, uh, and then the interest in it came after the initial... Being totally honest... You know, it was probably the equivalent of one of those people that goes, I want to be famous, I want to go on Big Brother. Yeah. I kind of wanted that. And then you 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 find something that initially people don't balk at the idea of you being that, and then you kind of go down a route where you start getting good at it. Yeah. I mean, even singing-wise, I don't think I really got good at singing until I got a job on The Voice because I had to. Yeah. Because I had to sing covers every week with Tom Jones, and I thought oh, I better start taking this seriously. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but it was—it's weird because it's. No, I've been totally honest with you. It's, it's something that I just really like the idea of it, and the work came later, and it's actually—it's really difficult. I used to say to the kids on the Voice that the hardest thing about being, uh, 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 let's for want of a better word, celebrity, is that you can never complain about how hard it is yeah because <laughs> it's people do not want to hear that yeah but it does get it does like it gets in the way of doing what you want to do yeah. which is like making music which is fun uh like every since like 96 we still got the same rehearsal room and we if we make an album we have to spend like five days a week usually between seven or eight hours in there just making a racket and you have to remind yourself that it's what you want to do. Yeah. And it's really, it's actually really good fun. Yeah. Of course, we all come home and moan about it to our partners and they think, why are you doing it then? But that's work. Going, that's what everyone does, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So when you was at school, was you, was you, was you confident? No, no. Uh, I'm not going to be one of those people who say, oh, I was really shy. I just wasn't anything. Did you like attention? No, just I was just a blank piece of paper. <laughs> I went, no, honestly, nothing. Until I went to university and then suddenly you walk into a room and you go, nobody knows me. I can be whoever I want to be. And then that becomes a bit of fun. I went to a boys' school as well, so that was weird. Right, okay. So, so then I went to art college and suddenly went, it's literally a load of girls here and yeah. they have no idea who I am. So I can not like who I am. No idea about anything about me. So I can just be exactly who I want to be, and I am going to be absolutely bizarre. Wonderful. <laughs> yeah, it is good. It's great. I encourage people to go, like, go to college or you know anything like that, just to test out who you want to be. It's like try on some clothes, try on a personality. Hundred percent. You'll find you'll find one that fits. Definitely. Couldn't agree more. Mm. Track four, Ricky. First thing I'm buying from a record shop. Uh, I pro yeah, I probably went with Kylie Minogue for this, didn't I? Yes. Yeah. 
first album was um, Culture Club, but that was a lot earlier on. But Kylie Minogue, I Should Be So Lucky, I just remember thinking she was just uh, perfection. You know, she's in her bath, she's blowing bubbles. Um, she's on my favourite TV show, um, which I've already mentioned, weirdly. Uh, and then uh, just magnificent. How, and it's so weird that she wasn't actually that much older than me. I mean, she was yeah. probably like seven or eight years older than me, but she was just like a world away. Yeah. What a wonderful woman. <laughs> oh, yeah. Kylie Minogue, I should be so lucky. And then the locomotion. What a follow-up. Fantastic. <laughs> you know, my because um, singles came on cassettes then as well. And I had uh, everyone wanted the yellow kind of like sports Sony. Oh, like, mate, that was a thing yeah. of beauty, wasn't it? Yeah, and then Boots did a knockoff because uh, <laughs> my first record player was by Boots. You know what I mean? Like Boots, the chemist, made record players, but yeah. they didn't make tape players. And uh, so I had a yellow Boots tape recorder. Mine, mine was red, and it was Dixon's <laughs> home brand called Seisho. Oh, <laughs> oh Seisho? Yeah. Now we're talking. Qu- closely uh, followed by my hi-fi that was Matsui. That was Curry's own as well. Really? Yeah, Not equally Alba. shit. Yeah. Alba, hi, 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 was it? Yeah. Was well, Sanyo? Yeah. <laughs> All these companies. <laughs> yeah. My first actual record player was oh, what's the name? It could be. How was it? Beans with tea. Uh, I can't remember. Oh, I've still got my first record player. Oh, really? It was my yeah. It was actually my granddad's, and it's got like a tape deck on it and a record player on a wooden, like, it looks like a hostess trolley. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that, with two big speakers. Tashi Matashi, I can't remember. I want to say Tamagotchi, but that's not that's not a record player. Uh, yeah, I look, record players were, it's it furniture in those days. It said a lot about you. In regards to like, record shops, Ricky, like, mm. growing up, um, were they places that were, were important to you? And also, in the, kind of world where we find ourselves um where, where vinyl's making a huge comeback like um what are your thoughts on on, on kind of record yeah, store were, day and things like that as well they were important but i do remember my early days of buying records when it was always based on what was on sale hmm. you know but it was so cheap it was almost like it was kind of similar to now with like i'll i'll get that single because it's it's like 19p yeah and you forget that you had like shops in the old days where there was a big part of a massive shop like Woolworths. A big part of it was records. Yep. You know, it was like what you could look at records while someone else was looking at other stuff. Yeah. No, it was like well, you don't have to specifically go into Swallow Music, which was the record shop in Oakley. You could be in Woolworths and pick something up that was number one five weeks ago yeah. for next to nothing. And, uh, yeah, it was like, I suppose it's all come around in full circle because it's a little bit like the internet. You can pick things up just because there's nothing else to do. And it felt like that in Woolworths. It was like, well, if you're looking at, if you're trying to find a, a sink plunger, I'm going to look at the top 40 yeah, and the bargain bin, which was fantastic. You, you, you're talking lots you know, lots of the artists and experiences that you've you've said so far so far are really based in the kind of um, pop space, like as, yeah, as, yeah, as yeah. of them yeah. kind of like 
early sort of things of like you know catchy choruses, hooks, you know, you know, infectious verses and, and things like that. Is that something that you you? I mean, I, I can hear no, lots no, of that no, in no, Kaiser Chiefs. No, totally. I mean, you know, when you first get a band together, I mean, Kaiser Chiefs was our second stab mm. at it, and all we knew was we had twenty five minutes to get people's attention, and it's really that's how you start. You you first on the four band bill. 20 to 25 minutes, you have to make a statement or no one's going to come see you again and you're not going to climb the bill. So it's really hard to do something nuanced. And, you know, the rest of the band are probably hate for this. You have to bang around the head. And even Nick used to say to me, before the song, say the name of the song and pronounce it really quick, really clearly. Like, if it's called I Predict a Riot, don't go, this one's I Predict a Riot. Go, this one's called... I predict a riot. So then we, when we repeat it four times in the chorus, people know what I'm saying. And they go home going, oh, I like that I predict a riot band. You know, it was, it was all based on trying to, like, trying to climb the bill and, and trying to get on in festival lineups. And to do that, people have to, A, know the name of your band, and B, have a couple of songs that they can link to that name. Yeah. And that was really important. And we didn't have that with the first band we started, but we did when we Sky Chiefs. It, was, it sounds a little bit clinical, but it, it it was a lot of fun as well. So that's that's kind of what I was going to ask next. So you know, obviously what happened with Parva, you know, Kaiser Chiefs come out of that, and then it felt for me as 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 a as a DJ, in, you know, in mm. indie clubs and stuff, that the moment. Indie DJs got hold of I Predict a Riot. Things seemed, from from my perspective and from outside looking in, it th- it looked like things happened very quickly for the Kaiser Chiefs. Yeah, I mean, I Predict a Riot was the blueprint of it. It's basically being an indie DJ and knowing what an effect it has when you play Ace of Spades. Yeah. You know, that's basically what we thought. We need to have that effect. Yeah. And it has to be instant. And ever since then... What what's worked for us is being instant, and it sounds like an easy thing to be, but it's really tough because you can't just pick a phrase out there out of a hat and make it. Yeah, it has to be. It's it's hard. It's really really hard to be that instant. Ace of Spades does it amazingly, and I think I, I predict Riot did it amazingly, and oh my god, did it amazingly, and I think we just looked out with Ruby. Because that shouldn't have worked on paper. That's not really our thing, but it did work really well. And you know, we've tried to continue doing that, but it's all about luck. Relevance is all about luck because you can't plan on being relevant. You just have to be in the right place at the right time. But to do that, you have to be in all the places at all the times. And we just happened to hit the ground running with I Predictor Riot, and it, it was brilliant. Thanks for playing it. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> Um, track five, Ricky. Like, 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 you know, you mentioned Russell earlier from, from Block yes. Party. I think, in many ways, their success was a lot, a lot like sweeter than ours because they managed to have success without having that instant, like, uh, what, what would I call our kind of brand? It, we're called more like catchphrasey. You know what I mean? So they had the tunes, and there was a little bit more. He wants. Oh, I mean, I, I think that you being overcritical of yourself, like there, I, I, I don't think so. I think that people want 
great records and yeah, and, and, and right. you can pull them apart and, 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 and look at the finer details. But at the end of the day, when a DJ puts it on, people are either going to dance or they're not. And they dance because yeah. they're enjoying it, and 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 I think that um, yeah, I, I think you certainly nailed that, like, and and in, in no other way, shape, or form than, than Block Party did either. It is weird though when I listen to I Predict to Riot. The ori- I don't put it on every day, <laughs> but you know, listen to the original version, and you go to yourself, this is really tame by modern standards. It's like, it's in, like in, 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 how? I just imagine it in my head to be quite aggressive, and you know, like let's get this party started kind of vibe and listen to it now it's like do, 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 do. yeah Woo. <laughs> I think it, I, it I don't think bit... so I disagree really I think it oh, I really? think it thunders I think it absolutely thunders right. along it's got such okay. such a sense of urgency that record it's just that it's just weird because you know people always ask do you get bored of playing your songs and I go no because it's not it's not specifically for me to play it it's yeah. playing it for the people who want to hear it and I get and I really deliver the big hits I'm like I'm going to ram this down your throat. And uh, when we do it now, I feel an urgency and like uh, intensity to playing it, uh, which I don't think it has on the record. But I don't think Kazuji's have ever uh, captured how good we are on record. I First time I saw you um, play live was at an XFM Winter Wonderland thing at Brixton Academy. Um, oh yeah, I, I I don't remember much, but I remember that because I, I was a bit scared of the thing that was hanging from behind us because it looked like it was going to fall off. I can't think of the, uh, winter one. Who else played? The Rifles were playing. I can't think who else. Yeah, but yeah. Oh, the other thing is all those bands. I loved them all around that time. Loved them intensely because I'd been playing them at our club, and I didn't. I was so embarrassed being in the Kaiser Chiefs because it was like we. We didn't know what else to do apart from have fun. And we were just so happy that we got a record deal and the radio was playing us. It was kind of, we'd bounce in everywhere going, this is great. And everyone else is like, and you're not supposed to say it's great. You're supposed to pretend like it's the worst day. Of your yeah, life. but you can look back now and know that what they're saying is absolute bollocks, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. We were enjoying ourselves. We were wearing stripy blazers 24 <laughs> 7. It was amazing. <laughs> but, but, like, you know, you, you hear them now, like, uh, no one in particular, but you hear them now, like, where are they now? And like, there'll be some web designer somewhere who was in Art Brute. Yeah. And they're just slugging us off. And I'm a bit like, yeah, well, you know, I don't care. <laughs> but you've come on that night, and I think each band played, like, six songs. So yeah. It was only, like, short sets, because I, I can't remember how many yeah. bands there were. And you've come on and literally just played, uh, I, I think maybe you had two albums out by then, maybe? And Do you think? Possibly. Right, maybe, yeah, maybe. Well, if we had two albums, that would have been a six-song hit pack. And set. it was, and that's what I was going to say. Yeah, yeah. And it was yeah. just like bang, 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 and, and then you just fucked off, and it was like, well, that was pretty impressive. And it was like yeah. everybody knew every word of every song. And that's not yeah. me blowing whether, smoke whether, up your ass, Ricky. Whether, whether, whether they wanted to admit it or not. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's, it's amazing. I mean, I, I'm so happy that I managed to be in – my favourite band, right? <laughs> because we we are pretty. Good. I mean, it's like I mean, going back to Springsteen. I love watching him, but like once I watched the beginning of his set, uh, we were doing a festival in Portugal. Went, watched the beginning, went back to the hotel, had a bath, and came back for the encore. Right, and the encore was amazing. It was all the hits, yeah. and I was just thinking, they're going. I love Springsteen, but I'd love to watch him for twenty five minutes. Yeah, it'd be amazing. It, you know, and then you don't want to get 
I, I don't see I think gigs are like football matches. They shouldn't be like cricket. Yeah. You know, I am. Um, I got took. Uh, our old band manager took me to Ells Court to see the first Springsteen reunion with the E Street Band in like the mid nineties. And he got front row seats and he was like, right, you, this is going to be an education. I'm, I'm still not a massive Springsteen fan. And about no. 20 minutes in, the novelty of thinking that's Bruce Springsteen wore off a bit. And then I was like, I don't really know any of these songs. And yeah. I probably could have gone and had a bath and come back. However, <laughs> when he did come on for the encore, yeah. he turned, I don't know if this is a Springsteen thing, like, he turned all the house lights up as that drum roar for yeah, yeah, yeah. Born to Run kicked in. And yeah, I remember amazing. standing up on the seat, and, uh, and it was quite self-involved for me. But I turned around and sort of faced the crowd and thought, this is the only time I'm ever going to get to play Hills Call. <laughs> Just breathe it in. Uh, right. <laughs> um, so, I mean, we, we, we spoke about um, all the bands you played DJing and, and, and things like that, Ricky. So, for track five, I want to know the song that soundtracked your years clubbing. Right. Well, I didn't really club as in, like, you know, there's basics in Leeds, which I go to, but uh, mainly I went to move on up on a Wednesday, Brighton Beach on a Friday, and uh, The Snake by Al Wilson. You, you've probably... It's probably one hit wonder. I think it had two hits, but the snake by Al Wilson was, and again another story song. Yeah, massively. Like, it's a good, yeah. So and I was just dead good at dancing to it. I, you know, dropping to my knees, you know, scuffing my farrows. Was you getting your, your, uh, your northern soul on? No, yeah, I was proper. That's how I. That's how I really got into kind of like uh, my whole trying to impress girls phase was northern soul. Okay, uh, and I, I loved it. And that song in particular, even if it comes on, I don't dance anymore. Weddings, maybe. But that song, I will always dance to the Snake Bell, wasn't it? What a fantastic song. Uh, it's, it's similar vein to, you know, somebody, somebody saw my thunder does the same thing to me. Yeah. But uh, the Snake is... Sorry, I, mean, I missed that, Ricky. What was that one you said then? Uh, somebody Stole My Thunder yeah. by... I can't remember. Anyway, but... Uh, the snake, fantastic, and it's just that old day. It's like going going to these clubs where you'd walk through the door, check your coat in, straight to the dance floor, yeah. and then four hours nonstop dancing, a couple of blue wickets, and it was, <laughs> it was more about the dancing than the drinking, which it seems improbable to me now. But I just wanted to be on the dance floor, so th- it was fun. Th- these clubs you're talking about, Ricky, were they kind of Britpop, mod, Northern kind of mashups of? Well, no, Brighton Beach was. Brighton Beach was incredible because they had three rooms. There was the big room, which was kind of Britpop, chart music, really. So it's just mid-90s. Yeah, mid-90s. Midnight, every Friday, a band would come on stage and you didn't know who it would be. And one week it would be like Supergrass or Cast and then it would be Gorky's or Looper. You know what I mean? It was weird. It was like... And you didn't know who it was going to be, and some, or you know, it'd be David Devantley's spirit wife, oh, and you never knew. Oh, uh, you never knew. Interviewed him last week. <laughs> Did you? I love oh, him. The vessel. Oh, the vessel. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> oh yeah. What a man. Uh, <laughs> because you're ginger. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it was. It was just they were never billed who was playing, but it was like a place where people would come and test out or 
but on it, I don't know why people played it. It was fantastic. But Midnight Friday, I always be at the front. I've got a file at home uh, full of set lists because I was always at the front and I'd nick them, uh, uh, you know, like a paper plate with a Gorky's yeah. set list on saying like patio song. Yeah. And you know, I'd be like, it's amazing. It's like such good memories. It's really hard because my, my girlfriend's a little bit younger than me, so she doesn't have that yeah. like memory of like Britpop, how massive it was. Because this was like, it was it was weird because, you know, we start, we started our band and we were playing arenas before long, but those days arenas were for wet, wet, wet. Yeah. Like the biggest places people could play were like the town and country club, which was like a thousand and a half. Yep. And that was the top of your game. You'd be like number one in the charts and playing to less than 2,000 yeah. people. It was crazy. You know, it was only like Oasis breaking through, you know, Hill's Court and yeah. stuff. It was like that's when it, but it was amazing. You could see these people at the Duchess. It was incredible. And I saw Coldplay supporting Top Loader, you know, stuff like that. It was like mental. What a weird time to be around and just not even booking tickets, just walking up. Yeah. We had this trick uh, at the Town and Country Club, which was I'd go to round the back and I'd ask a crew member going in, uh, what's the name of the tour manager? And they'd say, I don't know. Let's say it was, called, it was called Tony Smith, and then find out the tour manager's name. I'd go around the front to the box office and said, "Tony Smith put me on the guest list. I'm just checking because I'm coming back. I'm going to tweet and coming back." And I say, "Oh, has he? He's the, he's a tour manager for Cool to Shake or whatever." And they'd go, "All oh, right." I say, "I just want to check him on." And I said, "Well, you're not." And I said, "Oh, can you contact him and say Ricky Wilson plus three, uh, just to remind him." Whenever I went back, I was always on the guest list. Brilliant. Because they wouldn't want to disturb the tour manager, so they'd just put it put me on. Because I was so confident about going. Yeah, can you tell Tony? Well, yeah, and it's before mobile phones because I couldn't text him or anything. Yeah, so it's like, it mobile phones were a thing, but they wouldn't. It was not. Like that. But that was a good trick. Works every time. Wonderful. Yeah. I, I've never. I don't think I've ever said it on this podcast, but I've I've got um my my my, my favourite. Britpop moment ever, Ricky was. Um, mm-hmm. I went to see uh, the Cardigans at Dingwalls. Uh, it was their first UK show, and uh, and afterwards we was we drove past Food Records because we just wanted to see Food Records. Yeah, yeah, same, same, and, uh, same here. And, yeah. and outside was like in a, on a kind of, sort of V shape was two, like like the Vassal signs, but it yeah. said Vassal Country House Blur, and it was like, yeah. and I was like, and I said to my mate, get your car up on the on the path so he jumped up on the path and i climbed up on the roof and yanked him off the the record company building and uh, and took him home and, uh, and i thought this is amazing i'm going to put it up on my wall i've got like the blur country house thing from the record label fast forward two days i'm watching the chart show and country house comes on and know when they pop up the little graphics halfway through and the little yeah. kind of anecdote about whatever yeah, 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 yeah. and it went Blur's country house um, for sale sign was stolen from the company. And I was thinking, it's in my fucking bedroom. <laughs> oh, man. That's a good story. <laughs> right. If we're doing, if we're doing Britpop stories, do I've got one. So um, we, uh, in uh, an early in, in, incarnation of our band, Runston Parver, uh, we supported Wayne Kramer at Dingwalls. Right. And uh, we finished and Justine Friesman was there. And we were going back to our hotel room, hotel, which was, oh, what was that big old hotel that everyone stayed at, old-fashioned, began with a K, 
uh, anyway, I can't remember. It was a big old hotel that all bands used to stay at. We were going back there. And we had no money. And she came in the car with us. And I held her hand for about 20 minutes. Then I bought her three triple Baileys. Then she fucked off home. <laughs> three triple Baileys? I know. That's all she wanted. <laughs> and I thought to myself, oh, my God, this is the most amazing life of my life. But no, she wasn't interested. She was more interested in Baileys. Weren't meant to be, mate. I doubt she tells that story. <laughs> <laughs> but I tell anyone that is willing to listen. Track six, Ricky. Favourite song from an artist from your home county? Uh, oh, what did I go for this? Did I go Pulp? No. Um, did I go uh, Robert, Robert Palmer? No. Did I go... Uh, let me think. Home county. So I, don't, I can't answer this one that quickly, but don't tell me. Home County, let's think, Leeds. Ah, yes, I've got one. <laughs> Space Hog. Yes, mate. In in the in the mean meanwhile, meantime. Or meantime, in the meantime. Yeah, in the meantime. So um yeah, Space Hog, one hit. Uh what a hit though. Mm-hmm. I think it was so played, you'll never hear it again. Yeah. Uh and it was massive. Uh and this they're, they're from New York technically, but the singer, Royston, uh, was from uh, the town I grew up in. And again, it just makes it seem so much more accessible yeah. when they're someone from your town. And it was a massive hit. And then he started dating Liv Tyler. Yeah, that's and right. You're, and you're going, and you're going, this is married, I think. And then you're thinking, wow, it's not that out of reach. And he looked like a rock star, didn't he? Oh, yeah. Well, this is when rock stars look like rock stars. I yeah. can, you know, even his little brother looked like a rock star because yeah. they were in a band called Cube. With Pete Denton, you know Pete from Kooks. Yeah, he's left Kooks now. But uh, Pete was uh, Pete and uh, Anthony Langdon were a band called Cube, and they were like big fish in a little pond in Leeds. Mm. And uh, in his older brother was Royston, and I was just like, "This is what I want to be. I want to be able to wear two belts and not look like an idiot." <laughs> you know, I want to. You got a dream, Ricky. Wear, you got a dream. Yeah, you know, I, I want to wear t-shirts with some kind of burger joint written on it that's too short for me so you can see my belly button and you know a, a, a studded choker not not get beaten up that's what i want to be so i desperately I... wanted to be one of them spindly brit pop kids with them kind of oh, ill-fitting yeah. t-shirts but i just yeah. well, I ain't got the right like, like, for it, again like, again like russell yeah you know yeah, yeah russell, I say, and, you know and you're just going oh, i desperate why can't i be thinner <laughs> because i because i'm my bones aren't that thin yeah it's, oh, yeah. brilliant. Um, if you was going to pick a, a Robert Palmer song, what would you have gone for? Addicted to Love. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's the one that popped into my head. True. But he, was, he was from Batley, I think. Really? Yeah. He was a... Apparently, apparently Ed Sheeran is from Halifax, which I, I'm not, not convinced He's by, from Framlingham in Norfolk. Apparently, he was born in Halifax. You're claiming him? I'm claiming... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm reclaiming Ed Sheeran. But no, I don't want that because if there's like a list of top ten artists from Leeds yeah. or the surrounding areas, I don't want him to be in it because he'll be number one every time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I like being just me, Sporty Spice. No, no, sorry, Scary Spice. Yeah. Um, who else is from Leeds? Uh, not many. What a primitive. Oh, what a primitives of... from Leeds. Crash. Yeah. Is that them? Yeah. Here we go. Where to find? Yeah. Are they from Leeds? Them? I think so. I might be wrong. I'd like them to be. Uh, who else is Mekons? Yep. Uh, four Johns, is that a thing? 
Yeah, oh, there's lots from Leeds. Soft Cell, are they from Leeds? Sheffield. Yeah. That's Human League. I think, I think Mark Orman, I, I think Soft Cell were from... I don't think they're from Leeds. I think it's a university thing. Oh, ah, right, you claim them again. Right, okay. Yeah. yeah. I think it's like, there's a lot, there's a lot, because Leeds University was kind of a cool university to go in the 70s. A lot of punk came out of it. Well, Ricky, for your last track, um, you can go back to being um, DJ because uh, I want you to recommend a song that many may not know that you would like them to oh. hear. Well, it's a bit of a weird one to end on this because it's not. I, I just uh, in recent years, you know, because you, you're it's always learning, isn't it? And I hate it when DJs say uh, that was whoever. Of course, like you're supposed to know. I hate that assumed knowledge because yeah. I haven't got enough knowledge because there's so much music in the world you can. You can listen to a new song every hour that you've never heard before yeah. and never run out. Uh, and then I got into John Cale, uh, his album Paris 1919, and this album, this song Paris 1919, when I first heard it on late night radio somewhere, somehow. Your, your voice like, went late night radio as you were saying that then. <laughs> You're listening to Ricky Wilson on Late Night Radio, <laughs> and this is John Cale, Paris, 1919. And I of thought, course. I don't, I don't reckon I could have, have it in me to go solo, but if I did, this would be the song that I'd want to come out with. Yeah, yeah, because it's just, it's just brilliant. I don't understand it. I don't know what's going on. I just think that it's, it's so, uh, un, un, uh, it doesn't worry about being cool which makes it very, very cool because yeah. it's silly and it's fun and it feels like a children's book. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Totally. Yeah, I, I, I hadn't just... heard it until you sent it over. And, um, really? Yeah. Oh, that's good. I, I, I kind of um, – my, my knowledge of John Cowie is, is Hallelujah and, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, Velvet Underground. And aside from that, I didn't really know lots. Uh, and, and I listened to it and it's like – it's kind of – it's also a lot. There's loads of orchestration in it, and it's kind of quite. It's yeah. really quirky as well. Like yeah, quirkiness, which is something that I've, I've it's like blue. It's in the DNA, the blueprint of Kaiser yeah. Chiefs, because it was always important for us to like come out of like make pop songs that were instantaneous. Yeah, that that didn't really make any sense why they were doing that. Yeah, uh, if we could literally say we've got to make a Kaiser Chiefs record we'd all listen to Oh My God by Kaiser Chiefs over and over again and go this is how you do it yeah. and uh, Paris 1919 when I heard it I went this is what I'd want to do because yeah. it's, it's weird because it seems so throwaway yet important at the same time yeah. which is which is a really sweet spot when it comes to making music yeah yeah I totally hear you mm. so Ricky as we it would appear of finding our way out of the lockdown situation that, that we're all in. Mm. Um, what's, what's coming up? Cause I, I, you know, I looked at your, your tour dates, obviously lots of them haven't happened <laughs> because of this and, and festivals and stuff. So what, what, what yeah. you know, what, where's the Kaiser chiefs at with that? <laughs> well, don't tell anyone, but I'm kind of pleased we had to cancel this summer because it's made me go. Cause I wanted a break anyway, cause we haven't had one in 16 years and it's made me go, actually it's quite good what we what we're allowed to do and people are still coming and then we put some tickets on sale for a driving gig and they sold out in like 15 minutes and i was like wow that's good it's there's still an urgency there and it's you know 
I don't care whether it's based on nostalgia or legacy or anything like that. I just like going, well, it's what we're allowed to do, so let's do it. And now it's given me more of an impetus to do a bit more of that. Uh, bands are weird. They always say they want five years off when actually they mean five days. Yeah. And I was in that camp. I wanted to take a break. And now I'm going, well, there's no point because it is the break being in a band. And if you've got it, hold on to it a little bit. And the podcast? Oh yeah, I got a podcast with Tony Blackburn. That's surreal, isn't it? Um, <laughs> I mean, oh, gosh, know, I like, how did that come about? I met him and I made him laugh, and then I asked him, and he said he'd love to do it. And uh, he's he's very funny. Uh, I like him a lot, and he we have a laugh. And the idea is really good as well because pop myths are. I you know I, I believe everything I read. Yeah, everything. <laughs> I can go down like rabbit holes about alien you know aliens amongst us and believe it for 20 minutes yeah. and then walk out the house and go yeah it's nonsense but i love it and talking to him about you know did it's just funny did debbie harry get in the car with ted bundy the mass murderer and escape and i'm there going let's see from an expert and he's going nonsense no she didn't <laughs> no she's making up bit of attention so i'm like yeah Fantastic, Tony. Say it like it is. And he enjoys it as well because obviously he's been on radio too for years and years and years. And, you know, he's just playing minute and a half long 60s songs and yeah. stuff like that. And he's got, he's got like four shows across different stations. But I think he likes the fact that he can be let off the leash a bit. Yeah. And, you know, all bets are off on podcasts. Absolutely. You can say whatever you want. Absolutely. Love it. Um, it's why this has been a pleasure because it's like I'm not selling anything. Yeah. I'm not even trying to make people. You know, because a lot of selling a record is trying to make people like you, which is like that's the that's the trick. Yeah. But I don't even doing something like this. I'm not that bothered yeah. if people disagree with me. You know, because it's it's just it, it's just opinion, and it's not even like Twitter doing a podcast because it doesn't matter. Yeah. If you don't like the first two minutes, to switch off. Mm-hmm. It's why it was annoys me when you read podcast reviews and be like. Yeah, so I listened to four episodes, and it's just not for me. I don't like the presenter or the guests. And you're going, what? You don't listen? Yeah. There's about no, another 10 million. Go and get stuck into yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Brilliant. exactly. Um, Ricky, thanks so much for today, mate. It's been a real pleasure chatting tunes with you. Thanks for, thanks for having me on. I very much appreciate it. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. Thanks, mate. Right, have a, have a lovely afternoon. And to all your listeners uh, out there on Late Night Podcast Radio... <laughs> I hope you're having a lovely time. And totally truckers out there. This is. Oh, do we play songs on this? Or do we... we do a Spotify playlist to accompany it. So carry on with the oh, voice. Yeah. Uh, so go to the Spotify playlist and uh, check out my choices. Okay. <laughs> there you go. What an absolute ledge. We had so much fun. It was uh, a really good chat. That and uh, I'd, I'd, I'd never met Ricky before. I didn't know what to expect. Um, obviously, I'd seen him on the TV shows and, and seen the band plenty of times and uh, and he always come across like a, a stand-up guy and well you know you've just listened to that I can confirm he is a top fella um, and yeah really really good to uh, to chew the fat over music and and growing up and and all the things that kind of shape the person that you are thanks loads for listening um, thanks again to Ricky for sorting that out thank you to um, Amy for organizing that for us as well um, yeah go and uh, 
check out the Kaiser website, find out what's going to be happening with gigs and things like that when this lockdown subsides some more. Um, and go and check out Pop Detectives, uh, Ricky's podcast with Tony Blackburn, because, uh, well, you heard Ricky say all about it. So uh, go and get stuck in because it sounds ace. Right. I'm back next week. See you soon. Bye bye. Oh, yeah. Sorry. I've butted in yet again. I just want to quickly tell you about this magazine. It's called Pod Bible. Now, Pod Bible is the new essential guide to podcasts. It's put together alongside Spotify and Acast, and it's a one-stop shop to tell you all about the podcasts you maybe know about, but definitely about a lot of the podcasts that you probably don't know about that we think you should know about. I mean, in the first edition, there's interviews with Adam Buxton, interviews with Craig Parkinson, and there's features on Jade Adams, and there's just an abundance of information about so many exciting podcasts that are out there. Also, Spotify have given us these amazing little codes. So if you do get a print copy, you can just turn on your Spotify on your phone, scan the little code, and it just automatically opens up the podcast on your listening device. How good's that? If you haven't managed to get a print copy, then just go over to www.podbiblemag.com and read it online because the digital version is all over there and it's all free. So every other month there'll be a new edition out. So go and have a look and support us on the social medias as well. Podbiblemag.com It's off the beat and track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. Keep me stew with him. 